Thanks for tuning in. Today we have a message from Holly Furtick from our annual Reflect Ladies Night. But this message isn't just for the ladies. In this teaching, we're talking about the cost of covering up the things we try to hide and how to live authentically. We hope that you enjoy today's message. I love preaching to women. Probably um, the best memory that I ever have preaching because usually it's kind of stressful for me. And it's not really my thing and, um, you know, whatever. But... Last year at Reflect was my first time preaching to all women, and it was like such a great time because you guys are loose, you're happy, you have this like, I don't have my kids, I don't even care where they are right now, kind of look on your face. So we're going to have a great time tonight. Okay, so speaking of what you're wearing, anybody want to be honest and, and admit that you put a little bit too much thought into what you were wearing tonight? My hand is up, okay? You do not want to know how much time I spent putting this outfit together, okay? You do not want to know. Okay, um, but isn't it funny, like, the great lengths that we go to, to to look good? You know, beauty, it takes effort, you know, true, true V said in Steel Magnolias, there's no such thing as natural beauty. It's true. I shouldn't tell you this story. She said, that'll preach. I shouldn't tell you this story. Okay, but it's just girls here, so I think it's okay. So I'm just going to go for it. Okay, so last year, um, I was getting ready for Reflect, and I was feeling really pale, okay? Now, who feels pale in August? Me. And there's a handful of us who do, okay? I did not get my husband's beautiful golden skin that, like, the second he walks outside, he's, like, three shades tanner, okay? And so I'm getting my hair done, and um, you know how chit-chat goes in a beauty salon, and somehow somebody started talking about spray tans. Now, when I hear spray tan, I think Ross from Friends, you know the time he got this spray tan, and he got sprayed four times in the face, he's like, I'm a date, you know? Okay, so, um, so, but my friend Nikki Scheidel, who actually is our Columbia campus pastor's wife, so... She's amazing, and um, she's in here somewhere tonight because even though the ladies at Columbia are worshiping in Rock Hill, I wanted Nikki to do my hair. So she's here with us tonight. So anyway, Nikki says, um, (laughs) she says, oh, spray tan? I do that all the time. The key is you have to get someone who actually sprays you. Don't do the machine. And so my wheels start turning because Reflect is literally like three days away, and this seems like the perfect solution, you know? (laughs) And so we talk a little bit more about, you know, where to go. And while my hair is processing, I look up the place and I call and I make an appointment for later that day. And so then, you know, you're sitting there and you have all this time to yourself. I started thinking, wait a second. Someone's actually going to spray me? Like, what is that going to be like? And... I feel it's like, like it's okay because we're all girls except for the guys running production, so you might want to like stick your fingers in your ears. But for, for me to say this, but I, 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 I pulled Nikki aside and I was like, so, so someone's going to spray me. Um, <laughs> do I totally get undressed? And she says, well, you know, some people leave their undergarments on, but I just go for it. She said... It looks better, and I just tell myself, they're professionals. They do this every day. They look at women's bodies every day. It's like going to the doctor. So I was like, okay. It's like going to the doctor. I can do this. I can do this. I want to be tan. I can do this. And so, like, all day long, 
long, <laughs> you know, prepping myself. And I'm, 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 okay, it's like going to the doctor, it's professional. This is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. So three o'clock comes around, walk into the place. Instantly, it's literally across the street from this building that I'm preaching from right now. I walk in. I think you know where I'm going with this. I, I walk in and I look at the girl and I say to her, I say, hey, I'm Holly. I, I have a three o'clock appointment. To which she replies, oh, I know who you are. I go to your church. So I immediately made the decision that I was going to wear my bra, okay? I'm like, how many of you know sometimes you just got to keep it covered? All right, so pale skin, like since I'm just confessing everything to you guys right now, pale skin is not the only thing that I cover up. Because, you know, as women, we are professionals at cover-up. And so as I was thinking about this message and preparing for it, I went into my closet. I did not go to a store. I went into my own closet to show you a few examples of some things that we cover up, okay? So we'll start with the, the immediate thing that you might think of is the bathing suit cover-up, okay? So this is the bathing suit cover-up that I wear. You see, it's like kind of open. It's like a little kimono jacket thing. This is the one that I wear when I've been exercising lately, you know, and I feel kind of kind of good about myself. And um, then there's this one that I wear when I've been hitting the french fries. It's... <laughs> You guys, it's, it's inside out. I mean, I literally just wore it recently. Um, so this is, this, is the, this is my favorite one. Um, all right, so, so you have bathing suit cover, it, uh, cover up. Um, okay, so um, this, this is what I wear when I have dirty hair. And um, so if you ever see me in this hat and you're like, oh, that's such a cute hat. It's like leather and pink. It's actually not real leather. You should know that like chances are I haven't washed my hair in like three or four days. And um, so, but if I'm going somewhere where a hat is not appropriate, then I have some dry shampoo. And this dry shampoo doubles because it has, um, with a hint of beautiful brunette. So, you know, it covers up the grays a little bit if you're, you know, haven't been to the salon in a while. Okay. So, um, so then we've got, we've got makeup. Okay. Now. This is, this, is, this is for like a good day, you know, like just a little bit under the eyes. I, guys, I swear all this came out of my closet. Um, this is like a medium day, you know? And I promise you, I'm, tell, I'm telling the truth. This one came in the mail today. I ordered it and I checked my mail. And so this one's, I would say this is probably like a medium day. And then like, you know, on some days, like that time of the month, you, you got to pull out the big gun. So here's, here's, my, here's my big guns. Okay, so then I've also got in here, um, anybody ever have to cover up a chipped pedicure? <laughs> Surprise, that's what we do. Um, we, we cover up smells. Um, I've already told you that I don't like the color of my skin. So, you know, I've got this one. And I've got this one. I've got this one. This one you gotta be careful with. You gotta wash your hands immediately. Um, all right, and just, you know, I'm going for it. We also have Spanx. <laughs> and guys, full disclosure, 
I was not going to bring my actual Spanx out here because they're like misshapen and (laughs) they're the off brand. They're not even the Spanx brand. So thank God we live in a world where we don't have to wear a corset anymore. We can wear these, right? (laughs) Okay. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of cover up. Okay. We all, we all do it. Actually, I'm going to just cover up my, my mess right here. Just hold on one second because you know. Now it looks all pretty again. Um, It's funny to think about all the things that we cover up on the outside. But sometimes we also dangerously cover up what's going on on the inside. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, okay? So the title of my message is called The Cost of Cover-Up. When I was thinking and praying about what I wanted to talk about tonight, and this idea of, of cover-up, my mind came to this kind of obscure Bible story about a man whose life depended on him uncovering something very serious that was going on in his life. I really wanted to find a woman, um, but I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't make it work. But I do think that this man has a lot to teach us, ladies, tonight. So if you brought your Bible, will you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5? And we're going to start right off reading in verse 1. It says, Now, Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. Okay, so you should know that Aram was a neighboring country to Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha. Okay? So let's keep reading. Um, He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. All right, so on the outside, this guy had it all, okay? He was a great man, highly regarded, valiant soldier. To everybody looking in at his life, you would want to have it. Everybody would want to be him. But Naaman had a but, okay? So... I want to show you the next part. What was Naaman's but? It says he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Okay? Now, I did a little bit of studying on leprosy this week, which is actually kind of a strange thing to study about. But let me tell you what leprosy is. It was a condition of the skin, but it was a deadly one. And during this time in history, people were very afraid of catching leprosy. And so Naaman's first symptom would have been a white rash, quickly followed by the loss of feeling wherever that rash was. And eventually, people with leprosy would begin to develop sores, which would lead to infection, which would often cause them to lose limbs, fingers, noses, and sometimes they would even go blind. So it was a very cruel, very painful, very disfiguring disease. And when a person's leprosy began to be noticeable, he or she would most likely be forced to go and live in a leper colony away from anybody who's healthy, including your family and your doctor, okay? So in this story, we find a great person, a successful person, a person that everybody thinks that they want to be, but he had something that he was covering up. And if he didn't do something about it, it was going to cost him his life because there was no cure for leprosy. And I wonder tonight, as I'm talking, I just want to get you thinking, do you have something that you are covering up? Sometimes it's easier to see what someone else is covering up, you know? So you can look at somebody and say, oh, you know what? She has an amazing job. She has her dream job with amazing pay, but 
I think, I don't think she really has any friends, you know, and looking at, at, at her from the outside, or maybe that girl's got money. She's got clothes. She's got a nice car. She's got a nice house, but I don't think her marriage is doing so good. I think, I think they're, I think their marriage is kind of on the rocks, you know, but the reality is we all have something that we're covering up, something that we don't want others to see. And sometimes it can be something that's super obvious, like maybe you have an addiction or maybe you have an eating disorder or maybe you have angry fits of rage where you just go at the person behind the counter or road rage or your kids or whatever. Um, You know, it can also be something more subtle, something that's a lot easier to cover up, like bitterness or or gossip, or depression, or self-hatred, and I even was thinking about women who have a judgmental spirit, you know, and you just think that you're better than, than everyone else. And the truth is that we can cover up for a long time, but after a while, it always starts to spill over somewhere, you know? Maybe it, it can affect your ability to have meaningful relationships or the ability for you to enjoy life and the blessings that you do have, or maybe it starts affecting your ability to even do your job, okay? You might have come here tonight with a million other things on your mind, but when you finally stop and you realize you're exhausted because you're covering up something, You're tired of acting like everything's okay when it's not. Covering up takes work, right? And there's a huge cost to it. It costs you time. It costs you money. It costs you emotional energy. It can cost you relationships. And if that's where you are tonight, I want to call you to change tonight. I want to call you to uncover whatever that thing is, you. I want to call you to change, not the woman sitting next to you or the friend that you wish could just hear this message. You know, you tried to get her here, but, but she wasn't. Tonight's about you, okay? So as you're listening, I don't want you to be thinking about, you know, God, I wish, I wish my sister could hear this. I want you to be thinking, what is God trying to say to you, okay? Now, the good news is, we all have something that we're covering up, okay? So we all have something that we need to change. So you're not alone, okay? So just want to set your mind at ease. We all have something that we're covering up. The bad news is cover-up always has a cost, okay? So tonight I want to look closely at Naaman's story, and I want to show you how outwardly he had everything going for him. But secretly, he was dying inside because of something that he was covering up. Naaman had to make a decision to stop covering up and seek out a change. So as we walk through this story tonight, I want to point out to you four things that it's going to take if you really want to change, okay? It's just going to be four words that if you really want to change, it's going to take these four things. We're going to pick up in verse two with Naaman. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, She served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. Okay, so one thing I forgot to tell you about leprosy um, is that you can cover it up, 
for a long time, like years, in fact. You could have leprosy and go years without anyone knowing about it. So very few people knew about Naaman's condition. But how many of you know that you can hide a lot of things from a lot of people, but the hardest people to hide from are the people who are closest to you, okay? So here we find Naaman in our story. He's home from battle. And when he's home, he has to take off his armor. And when he takes off his armor, it's harder for him to hide his condition. So his wife knows about his condition and and her servant knows about his condition. The first thing that I want to point out to you is that change requires honesty. And honesty starts with myself, okay? It's hard to cover up at home. Maybe to most people, you seem like a happy, funny girl, but your family knows that you have some days where you can't get out of bed. For me, if you ever saw me in public with my kids, you would probably think, wow, she's such a calm, patient mom. (laughs) But at home, if you were to ask my children to describe my parenting style, I don't think that the first two words that they would use would be calm and patient. And this summer, uh, Elijah had a new friend over, and this friend's parents are kind of relatively new to our staff. And my kids kept fighting over this poor boy, okay? They kept, you know, like you think the play day is going to like keep the kids out of your hair, but you're just freaking referee, you know? And they were, they kept fighting over like who he was going to play with and, and, and what they were going to play. I know your kids don't fight, but mind you. And, um, and this day I just lost it. Okay. Not in a funny way. Like I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I let them have a piece of my mind. I may have said something about how hell would freeze over before I let them have a friend over again. It's funny now, but I I really want you to understand the the severity of the situation. My throat hurt after I was done talking to them. And then I remembered the friend, you know? And I'm like, crap. I mean, I'm not only this kid's pastor's wife, okay? I'm his parents' boss of a Christian organization, nonetheless. And let's just say I was not acting like a Christian mom or a pastor's wife, okay? I I really, I really want you guys to understand, I I, I just, I blew it. And why, why, why did I act that way? Well, one reason is because I was at home. And sometimes it's really hard to keep hiding what's going on in your heart when you're, when you're home. And, and, and so later I really, I had to get honest with myself. I had to use that as a moment to, to really check myself. I don't want to be that kind of mom. I mean, why was it okay for me to talk to my kids like that? What am I even teaching my kids when I stoop to their level with this grown up temper tantrum? I mean, it was terrible. And, and I want you to know that this, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this cover up in this situation though, if, if I was covering it up, it would be, well, they were fighting and yelling at them was the only way that I could get across to them, you know? But change gets real and change says, it's not okay for me to act like that ever, okay? And so Naaman had to get honest. He had to get honest with himself 
and he had to get honest with his wife, and then he had to go to his boss. And, and he went to the king, and he told him that, hey, my wife's servant told me that there is a prophet in Israel and, and that, that could heal me. And the king gave him permission to go. Naaman was never going to find healing if he stayed in Aram and kept trying to cover everything up. In fact, he was going to die. If he stayed there, he would die. He had to come to grips with the reality and the severity of his situation. He had to let a few people see him without his armor on. He had to go to the king and say, I need to go get help. Okay, Honesty starts with myself, but then I've got to vocalize it to, to others. The enemy wants you to think that your problem is not that bad and that you can fix it by yourself. The enemy wants you to think that you're the only one who has this problem. Because as long as he can keep you in denial, as long as you continue to fake it, you will stay miserable and your condition will worsen. It doesn't get better on its own. Change comes when I'm honest with myself and then I'm honest with others. And I think Naaman had to come to a place where he was more afraid of what would happen if he wasn't honest than what would happen if he was. And sometimes we just have to get to that place where we realize, ah, this is, I just, I can't go on like that anymore. And many of us are right there tonight. You're exhausted from, from covering up and you just, you want a change. And again, we all feel that way. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're the only one who feels that way. So let's see what Naaman did. Look with me. Verse 4. Uh, let's see. 4b. So Naaman left, talking with him, uh, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. I knew I loved this guy for a women's event. <laughs> Over Packers Unite. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He, I, at first, I was like, oh my gosh, he took 10 sets of clothing? That is perfect. But then when I read further, um, the, the 10 sets of clothing where he took all of that with the gold and the silver as a gift because he thought he was going to need some kind of payment for his healing. But it turns out that God was going to gift him change from the inside out. He wasn't going to need the payment. So I feel like I need to pause right here and, and say to you that changing is not something that we do for God, okay? Change is something that, that, that God wants. He wants for me. He accepts me. He loves me just the way I am. If I never changed another thing, if I continue to live with whatever my secret is, with whatever my misery is, God still loves me the same if I never changed anything, okay? Change isn't something that God wants for us, but God doesn't want you to live in this, in this hiding and shame and misery for you, not for him. He has something better for you. Okay, but it's going to take something on your part. So skip down to verse nine and let's see what Naaman does. It says, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. All right, here's Naaman. He arrives in style, chariots, 
horses, entourage in tow. He knocks on the prophet's door, and Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He, he sends him a message, because I think Elisha knew what Naaman needed. And so he sends him a message, and he says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and you will be healed. And Naaman gets angry. Look at verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. I told you this man had a lot to teach us and a lot to teach me. Naaman was expecting drama. And when he didn't get it, he got mad. Real change comes through simplicity, not drama. Naaman was angry because his expectations weren't met. You know, he's, I thought this is how it was going to be. I thought he would come out to me. I thought he would stand and call in the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and cure me. And you know, one of the most impactful concepts that I ever heard was when I heard Linda Dillo talking about how anger comforts us. And she teaches that if I remain angry, then I have no room in my mind to find fault in myself. I talk about this in Becoming Mrs. Better Half. Plug to all the ladies who are going to do Mrs. Better Half. Okay, but this goes way beyond marriage. I think that all women are struggling with this because I believe that we're quickly becoming a generation of women who are angry. Because if I stay angry, then I never have to admit that I was any part to blame, you know? If I stay in this fit of anger with my kids, then it's their fault that I'm mad. If I stay angry with my husband, then I never have to think about how I could have handled the situation better because it's all his fault. Anger is comforting because it allows me to shift the blame and make excuses but it's anything but comforting for the people around us, you know? Like, when I get mad, my kids are like, hmm, you know the mom's way, you know? And so in his anger, Naaman begins to make excuses. He says, wash here? I, I mean, I, I, I could go home. Aren't my rivers at home cleaner than the ones here? I came all this way to wash in your dirty river. He wanted drama. And some of us, we're so addicted to drama. We'll be honest about our problems. Some of you are honest about your problems, but it's because you want attention, not because you want healing. You know, we want to stay in this place where we're like, my husband, my kids, can you believe what my boss said? That anger, it comforts us. And as long as, as Naaman stayed angry, he got to stay in cover-up mode. Nobody had to know what was really going on. So some people come and they try and talk sense into him, okay? It's, it's his servants. I want to show you what they say to him in verse 13. Uh, it says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Now, I like to think that these were not just servants, but that they were, they were Naaman's friends. I mean, obviously, they were people who had traveled a long way with Naaman, and they cared about him. And they were like, look, man, we traveled all this way, and you're going to go home? You're not even going to try it? 
you know? I love what the message version says. I want to, I want to read to you. Um, I want to read to you exactly what it says. So um, the message version says, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? Why not this simple wash and be clean? As women, our bent can be towards the dramatic. We want everyone on Facebook to know. We want to have three coffees and two lunches and four phone calls before we even consider praying about whatever is going on, much less take some kind of action. Naaman's change, it had to come through a simple act. Wash and be clean. But you see, wash and be clean wasn't that simple to Naaman because he didn't want to take his armor off. He didn't want people to see how bad his disease had really gotten because he'd been covering it up for a long time. So here's the third one. Real change also requires vulnerability. In his rage, he said, I thought the prophet would wave his hand over me, over the spot, and I would be healed. See, but if Naaman's disease... I got to thinking about this as I was reading it. If Naaman's disease had, had progressed to the point where he was willing to travel into enemy territory to get a miracle, there had to be more than one spot, you know? And as long as you go on pretending it's just one spot, then you never can experience change. The requirement for Naaman's healing... It, it wasn't that he, it wasn't like the prophet asked him to parade naked through the whole town, okay? And, and I'm not suggesting, when I talk about vulnerability, I'm not suggesting that in order for you to find your healing, that you're gonna have to air your dirty laundry on Facebook and for, for everyone to see. In fact, let's talk about Facebook for a minute. <laughs> Ladies, being vulnerable on social media is counterfeit vulnerability, okay? When we vomit a post about all our piles of laundry and all our dishes in the sink or how we were up all night working, we're most likely not trying to be vulnerable. We're seeking validation. There's a big difference. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to be so hard because I, you know, I love Instagram and I, you know, I have piles of laundry too. And sometimes I, I understand that we're trying to be real and we're trying to be funny at the same time. But the way that I know that it's not true vulnerability for myself is because every time that I do this, it leaves me feeling empty in my life and nothing changes. Vulnerability, real vulnerability, it takes courage. Validation is seeking likes. Vulnerability is being real with someone real, a real live person. It's saying to a trusted friend who's earned the right to hear my honesty, not just anyone, not just everyone, a trusted friend who's earned the right to hear my honesty for me to say, I'm not doing okay. Will you pray for me? And will you check on me? And will you ask me how I'm doing? This is where change begins. The enemy wants you to think that vulnerability will hurt your relationships. 
but that's not true. Vulnerability with a trusted friend strengthens your relationship with them. How can I, if I'm your friend, how can I know that you need help if you keep everything covered up? Your friends, your family, the people that you love and trust, they want to walk with you through through your trial. They want to they want to come along beside you. They want to help you. They want to support you. You can't keep it covered up because cover up actually costs you intimacy in your relationships. It, that, that, it costs you that. It doesn't, doesn't save your relationships anything. But you can be vulnerable with the, right, with the right person. And so Naaman was persuaded by his servants, and he went and he washed. And we'll just read the last verse. Verse 14 says, So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like a young boy. Elisha told Naaman to wash seven times in the Jordan River. Now, in actuality, this wouldn't take a long time, but I feel like this number is symbolic of process. Change is a process that takes consistency. Naaman's expectation was instant change. He said, I thought the prophet would come out and wave his hand over the spot. He wanted bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, you know? He'd been watching Cinderella with his kids or something because he wanted a fairy godmother to come out and wave her wand over the spot as he just stood there. And you know, as funny as that sounds, we live in a world where everyone wants instant results. I mean, it's like funny, okay? We want quick change without any work. We want a, we want a quick fix. We want a pill to make us happy and skinny. <laughs> right? But we don't want to do the work of figuring out why we're depressed and overweight. We want to gain followers on Instagram rather than developing real face-to-face relationships with people. Quick fixes are just another cover-up. You can take antidepressants. I don't have anything against antidepressants. I know lots of people need them. But if you, you still have to dig down to the root of your depression. A pill is not going to fix. There's no magic Jesus wand that I can wave over you and, and fix all of your problems. Change takes work on your part. And what I want for you is I want you to be sitting here one year from now and able to look back and see how far you've come in your marriage, how far you've come in your relationships, how far you've come in your struggle with addiction to alcohol or, or to drama, how far you've come in your relationship with God. But it's going to take consistency on your part to see an actual change. And it's going to take time. You can't be vulnerable one time and think it's going to fix itself. And think, oh, well, I shared that with her, so I should be better now. Holly said. No, she didn't. Change comes when you feel that urge to cover up, when you feel that urge to withdraw inside, when you feel that urge to to fake it, but you decide, no, I'm going to be honest with someone. I'm going to take some simple steps of obedience, all those things that you already know to do. I'm going to talk to someone about my situation, and then I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to keep 
on doing it. My very favorite sermon that Pastor Stephen has ever preached is don't stop on six. What if Naaman had only dipped six times? He had to dip seven times. And when he did, his flesh was restored to better than before. God had to deal with Naaman's heart. He had to deal with Naaman's pride before he could change his situation. But when he finally took that simple step, just wash and be clean, he was restored to better than ever. And I want you to know tonight that change, God wants you to experience change from the inside out. What if you stopped spending a fortune in time and money trying to change the outside and you actually put in some work of trying to change from the inside out. And remember, change isn't something that God wants for you. It's, it's not that he wants you to change your behavior. He wants you to change your heart. Jesus died to set us free. Jesus, he, 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 free from the guilt free from the shame of our behavior. And I believe, I've prayed, and I truly believe that he's standing before us tonight offering us this gift of change from the inside out, wherever you are. I don't care if you're sitting in the back of Lake Norman tonight or if you're in Rock Hill and you came in late. He's standing here before you offering this gift of change. And as we move into a time of reflection, after all, the event is called Reflect, um, I, I would like to ask you two questions. just want you to start to think about this. And what is it that you need to change? And what step do you need to take toward that change tonight? Do you need to start by being honest with yourself and by being honest with God about the reality of your situation? Like just admitting, all right, God, it's gone too far. Or maybe, maybe you know the severity of your situation, but you just need to be vulnerable with someone. Maybe you just need to keep at it in that simplicity and consistency. Just keep, keep doing it. I don't want to make you feel bad if you've, you've been trying to work through whatever this thing is in your life and you're here tonight. You're like, I want to change. I'm trying to change. Great. Just keep, keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. I just want to give you a minute tonight to really process because I really believe that women especially, we're so busy and, and, and it's such a busy world. And the minute that you leave out these doors, your attention is going to be pulled in a million different directions. But God's got you here tonight just for a few minutes. Can you give God a few minutes of your attention and just stop and take a moment and allow God to speak to you? Ask him to show you, God, I got so many things I need to change. I don't even know where to start. Ask him. He'll show you. He's not some mysterious thing up in the sky that's trying to like hide from you. Ask him. The Bible says, ask and you will receive. So right now, right here, you can bow your head. You can, you can kneel down in your seat if you want to. You don't have to. I just want you to take 
a, a couple of minutes. It might seem weird because I'm gonna let the band play and I'm gonna give you time to think and to process and to let God speak to you. Maybe you need to begin a relationship with God right here, right now. That's okay. That's a great place to start. All you have to do is pray. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wherever you are tonight, God wants to meet with you right there, right there in your seat. So just take a moment. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, help us to continue to spread the word by giving online. You can jump online at elevationchurch.org give or download our app and select the give option. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you can continue to hear messages like today's.